Hi, welcome to season three of the ACE Tip Podcast, where we translate science into sense, so you can learn about research in the justice and health fields without having to access or read lengthy journal articles or reports. I'm Danielle Rudes, your host, and I'll do most of the work for you. All you have to do is listen. ACEDIT is a cool and super helpful product brought to you by the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Virginia. For more information, check out jcoinctc.org. Now, let's get started. Our world is one big, complex ecosystem in which everything is connected. Problems don't happen in a vacuum, so problem solving can't happen in a vacuum. One example of this is the connection between natural disasters and problems from opioid use. Natural disasters have been associated with significant disruptions in opioid use disorder services and increased opioid overdose and death. This happened with past natural disasters, and we saw it happen again with COVID-19. Despite efforts to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 on services for opioid use disorder, such as allowing telemedicine for buprenorphine initiation and relaxing methadone take-home dosing requirements, the pandemic also saw a reduction in locations accepting new methadone patients and long wait times to initiate a medication. And this is really problematic because not only does this impact those already living with opioid use disorders, but we also see a rise in substance use generally with the occurrence of natural disasters, making an already deteriorating situation even worse. And right now, while the pandemic rages on, we are also living through extreme weather events spurred by climate change. Disaster preparedness requires that we understand the connection between things like preparedness plans and access to medications for opioid use disorders, or MOUD. Two doctors at Yale University School of Medicine collaborated with a team of experts at the University of Chicago's Center for Spatial Data Science to examine the current state of affairs. They specifically wanted to know how a community's ability to respond to natural disasters and infectious disease outbreaks is related to their current access to MOUD, especially given the already uneven access to the medications. Because identifying those communities more vulnerable to disasters and pandemics and low access to MOUD could inform interventions and policies aiming to expand treatment access and mitigate future disparities in mortality, the team looked at associations between social vulnerability and access to each of the three MOUDs within the continental U.S. The technical name of what they did is called a cross-sectional geospatial analysis, which basically means they took data from a snapshot in time and made really cool maps. To create a map that can visually show things like how vulnerable an area is to natural disasters, or how much access a place has to the various MOUDs is not quite as simple as it sounds. When creating a map meant to convey information, you must determine what unit of measurement you're looking at, which can greatly affect the story you tell. You've seen maps that simply color in whole states based on which presidential candidate the state voted for, other maps color each county based on how that county voted, but other maps will vary the vibrancy of the color based on the number of people who voted a certain way. This last map often tells a completely different story 
than either the state or the county maps. So the unit of measurement is important, and so is how you measure something. The maps developed by the study team use something called a zip code tabulation areas within the continental U.S. These are little units of space created by the U.S. Census Bureau. They are generalized aerial representations of populated U.S. Postal Service zip code service areas, and they are often the smallest geographic unit available to health researchers. To measure a community's ability to respond to natural disasters and infectious disease outbreaks, they use something called the Social Vulnerability Index, or SVI, which is data that comes from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The SVI is a validated measure of community vulnerability to natural stressors, things like hurricanes or infectious disease, or human-caused stressors like chemical spills. The SVI measures overall vulnerability of a census tract. Each tract is scored between zero and one, with one representing the highest vulnerability. And there are four main things that go into that score. An area's socioeconomic status, for example, the area's income level, how many people are below poverty, unemployed, or have no high school diploma, household composition and disability, or how many people are age 65 or older, age 17 or older, older than five with a disability, and number of single-parent households, minority status and language, or how many people identify as a minority ethnicity or speak English, quote, less than well, unquote, and housing type and transportation, or the number of multi-unit structures, mobile homes, crowding, number of homes with no vehicle, and number of group quarters such as worker dormitories, skilled nursing facilities, or college dorms. And this SVI measure can and has predicted worse outcomes in prior natural disasters. In fact, communities with high SVI scores had increased community COVID cases and deaths and lower rates of COVID-19 vaccination. You may have picked up on the fact that these scores are applied to census tracts which were larger than the zip code areas the study used. So the team had to convert the SVI scores into zip code scale scores using the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development's U.S. Postal Service's zip code crosswalk. The team measured geographic access to the three medications for opioid use disorder using something called the SAMHSA Behavioral Health Treatment Services Locator. This showed all substance use treatment clinics providing methadone, and extended-release naltrexone, and providers who were wavered to provide buprenorphine. Also, because extended-release naltrexone may be provisioned outside of substance use treatment clinics, they obtained location data on all clinicians registered with the pharmaceutical manufacturer as providing extended-release naltrexone from the Find a Treatment Provider website. To provide a comparison of accessing treatment services for other chronic disease necessitating thrice-weekly visits, they obtained dialysis center locations data from the Centers for Medicine and Medicaid Services, CMS, Dialysis Facility Compare Database. They wanted to look at drive time in minutes from the populated weighted center of the little zip code tabulation areas to the zip code tabulation area of the nearest treatment location for each treatment type of medication, buprenorphine, methadone, extended-release naltrexone, and dialysis. As they did this using fancy tools, including something called the open-source routing machine, 
and the Spatial Access Python package. For zip code tabulated areas that also contained the treatment destination, the drive time was estimated as zero minutes. They also wanted to see the total number of treatment locations within or near a zip code tabulation area and the number of MOUD types ranging from zero to three. They looked to see how many zip code areas had treatment locations within a 30-minute drive of the population-weighted center. Why a 30-minute drive time threshold to represent the number of services available in an area? Well, because 30 minutes is a widely accepted standard for acceptable geographic access for Medicaid beneficiaries and has been used to examine access to methadone for people with OUD and dialysis for people with end-stage renal disease. To account for differences in the size and age of the population at risk of OUD, they also created a count of treatment locations within a 30-minute drive time per 100,000 adults between the ages of 18 and 64 for each zip code area. And finally, they wanted to know if there was a difference between rural, suburban, and urban zip code areas. Using the 2010 Rural Urban Commuting Area Codes for zip codes, From the U.S. Department of Agriculture and University of Washington Rural Health Research Center, they classified zip codes as either rural, suburban, or urban. Using several spatial and statistical analyses, which included correlations examining the relationship between overall SVI and each SVI theme and access to reach type of treatment, they found that within the continental U.S., zip codes with greater social vulnerability did not have greater geographic access to each of the three MOUDs, showing the degree to which the U.S. falls short of ensuring equitable access to all MOUD, especially during natural disasters. The maps they created were consistent with an emerging, quote, opioid treatment desert, quote, literature. Nearly one quarter of the continental U.S. population live in zip codes without access to all three medications, at least not within a 30-minute drive. And there were inequities between urban and rural areas in all of the measures of access to buprenorphine and methadone, as well as extended release naltrexone, including drive time, count of nearby locations, and count of locations per population risk. Drive times were significantly longer for methadone and extended release naltrexone relative to dialysis centers, despite the prevalence of opioid use disorders being greater than end-stage renal disease. The mismatch between the overall social vulnerability and the location of MOUD services was greatest in suburban zip codes as compared to rural and urban zip codes. Those living in suburban communities with lower socioeconomic status or in households with more children, seniors, or individuals with disabilities had less geographic access to methadone and extended release naltrexone. The types of social vulnerability did not matter much in rural zip codes because geographic access to MOUD was uniformly poor in all of those areas. Those living in urban zip codes with greater social vulnerability due to higher proportion of residents of racial and ethnic minority status and non-English speakers was associated with greater geographic access to MOUD, suggesting that geographic access may not be as important of a barrier to MOUD treatment in these communities. Communities with lower socioeconomic status have less geographic access to methadone, buprenorphine, and extended-release naltrexone, which should make us question current disaster preparedness. We need to develop proactive measures to increase services within these communities, the ones with greater vulnerability in the event of a disaster. Expanding OUD services is especially important 
in vulnerable suburban areas and across rural communities. Methadone should be a priority for innovation, given it was the greatest barrier to ensuring access to each MOUD in all communities. Right now, those agencies with the power to affect change in disaster preparedness, SAMHSA, the DEA, and state opioid treatment authorities prioritize coordination among existing opioid treatment programs, but this is not sufficient to ensure access to methadone, especially in communities without a nearby opioid treatment program, as we have clearly seen in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. We can look to our neighbors to the north for possible guidance. Canada increased the flexibility of its federal and provincial methadone regulations, including allowing methadone in office-based settings and medication dispensation within pharmacies, which worked to expand methadone treatment services. More flexible methadone regulation at the federal level and state level within the U.S. is likely required if the identified inequities in disaster preparedness are to be mitigated. While the study noted several limitations and acknowledged that geographic access was only one important measure of access, the results should give us pause on how we approach medications for opioid use disorder generally. As many doctors have opined, quote, it is easier to prescribe my patients opioids than it is to get them medications for opioid use disorder, unquote. The current opioid crisis, the growing literature on effective treatments, and the knowledge that disasters are only likely to increase in scale and frequency should have those charged with disaster preparedness seriously rethinking their plans. That wraps another episode of the Aced It podcast. We thank you for listening to Aced It, where we translate science into sense. Also remember, you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language for all the research we cover on this podcast on our website, www.jcoinctc.org. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here and they will help you translate this research to your staff, friends, students, or colleagues. ACEDIT is part of the NIDA-funded Justice Community Opioid Innovation Network, or JCOIN, through the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, housed at the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University. You can find ACEDIT on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, really anywhere that you'd normally find podcasts. Tune in again for more science and more sense with ACEDIT.